What's up, Milwaukee listeners? I've got a deal for you. Saturday night, I'll be in your neck of the woods to MC and host the Eagle Mania concert at Pabst Theater, downtown in Milwaukee. And I've got a deal for you, and you only. Plug in promo code ZABE, that's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at pabsttheater.org and get 25% off on your tickets. For more information, go to the website, pabsttheater.org, and I will see you Saturday. Today on the ZABEcast, have you ever worked at a company then thought you were doing a good job? Next thing you know, you see your job posted on a job board? Oh, call Greg Minuski of the Skins. He feels you. I'm embarrassed for Darren Ravel, terrified at public speaking, and I'll explain why April 14th, 2019 will be a day for the ages. A bonus! 45 of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Tuesday, January 15, 2018. Thank you for downloading. Warning, this show will have very little sports content by volume, which could be good. It could be awful. We shall see. Couple of updates real quick. Number one, the woman I talked about yesterday with the bad beat and the money that was siphoned away by the state of Maryland after she won a slot machine jackpot at MGM National Harbor and the clerk got one digit wrong in her social, it went to somebody else, that somebody else owed a lot of back child support. The state of Maryland's computers, which are linked up to the casino, <laughs> sucked it out right away. Casino told the woman, ah, sorry about that, we, 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 we can't do anything now. That woman has got her money, finally. Thank God for that. Update number two. My mother now is on Twitter. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. I posted on Twitter an exchange, a text exchange between my mother-in-law, Barbara, and my sister-in-law, Yvonne, and my wife about the Eagles game and the Patriot game. And I said, stay in your lane, ma, <laughs> which is fine. She could take it. She, she's, she's good like that. I posted that exchange on Twitter, and I guess my mom is lurking on Twitter. And so my mom tweets back and ats me saying, way to go, Barbara. God bless my mom. I love that she is a digital grandma, that she is not going to be left behind on anything digital. God bless her for that. But you know what? I feel like Will Ferrell in Wedding Crashers. Ma! Ma! Get off the Twitter, ma! Ma! Come on. So those are your two updates right there. I ask for feedback, and I want feedback. I want honest feedback. It's the only kind that will make me better. So I get this email from Dan Schroeder in Phoenix, Arizona. What a wonderful city. Hope to live there someday. Steakhouse Confidential Feedback, he writes. Hey, Steez. I love that, by the way. Long time listener, second time emailer. I've been listening to you since your start on Bob and Brian. I've downloaded every station and app imaginable to listen to you, including the Zabecast, one-on-one sports, ESPN 980, the Team 980, Bob and Brian, etc., etc. This is to say that while I am not a one percenter, I have followed you closely for like 25 years. The first thing I do every day is load up the Zabecast while I get ready for work. My work is a fourth grade teacher in Phoenix, Arizona. 
it takes my mind off being disrespected by 10-year-olds 180 days a year. (laughs) The thing, though, I love most about listening to you is your opinion and your usually unique take on both things important and mundane. Your top three Tuesdays were a riot. Yeah, I need to bring those back, don't I? Your breakdown of Halloween candy is fantastic. Your opinion of Coach McPositive going back the past two years or more and right up through his firing was consistent and spot on. Okay, I'm liking this email so far. All right. That being said, Ooh, here we go. I'm not really a fan of the Steakhouse Confidentials. Oh, I've given them a try. I really, really have. I can tell that you really enjoy hobnobbing with the local celebs and eating a probably reduced price or a completely free steak. I mean, who wouldn't? But honestly, I cannot stand Thursdays anymore. I find the Steakhouse Confidentials tedious at best and boring at worst. He goes on to say, if I wanted to listen to Fred Smoot and Kevin Greeby tell funny stories, I would sign up for a podcast done by them. By the way, you may think that your Christmas show with your mom, dad, and brother wasn't nearly as good as a typical steakhouse. Well, I wholeheartedly disagree. It was fantastic. Okay. He goes on to say, because of his fading interest in pro football due to a variety of reasons, replay flags, commercials, Dean Blandino or Blandy Plano. He really is a longtime listener. Alberto Riveron. Jeff Triple, etc., etc. I can't find enough reason to sign up for Zay Premium. With the addition of Steakhouse Thursday Confidentials, now I have only the great Zabe content to look forward to three days a week. Please consider scrapping the Steakhouse and putting them perhaps on Steakhouse, on Zabecast Premium. Sincerely, your loyal listener, Dan Schroeder, Phoenix, Arizona. P.S. That emailer two weeks ago who told you to move to Florida instead of Phoenix is nuts. You could tell from the get-go he didn't want to be in Phoenix when he said he had to move to Phoenix for his wife's work. F-T-G. <laughs> all right, easy now. We're going to hear from that guy in just a second. I've heard all different angles on this. I've heard people say that Smoot was great again. Smoot needs to be a regular. No, I love Fred. He's not going to be a regular. I've heard people say the same thing. It's too much not me. I've heard people say that the audio is challenging. It's pretty good, but it's challenging. It's a busy environment there. I understand the dynamic of, well, who cares what Kevin Greeby has to say? I want you, Zabe. I want you. Maybe Steakhouse migrates to premium. Maybe it doesn't. Don't know what I'm going to do this week. I think the football five-way is going to be one last good five-way. I'm working on some other interviews ahead of championship weekend. Of course, Mr. X and I will do our spot. I believe that will be for our premies. And then after that, we'll see. It's tough. It's tough to satisfy everybody. I get it. I listen to Monday's Zabecast, which I recorded in chunks. Three minutes here, two minutes there, five minutes there, throughout the day. And I was kind of liking it for about 25 minutes. And then I was like, it's a lot of me. Like, really? And of course, I got carried away with all these little chunks of stuff. By the time I was done, it's like, ooh, an hour five. Okay, well, here. Put it out there. You listen to what you want, throw away what you don't. Keep the feedback coming. I don't know exactly which way I'm going to go, but I appreciate the feedback. Now here's my man Rob Helmick from Florida. Let's just call him Florida guy. I love that now a battle is brewing for my upcoming 
retirement move to a warm weather, golf friendly climate. A move which, by the way, is still such gossamer dreams and candy cane delusions. <laughs> I'm 50. I know I, it'd be great to retire at 50. I'm not there yet. And then there's going to be that negotiation with the missus about, hey, honey, time to let's go over here. You know, I haven't even begun doing that. Anyway, I love that there is now a Florida versus Arizona battle. And this email from a man, Rob Helmick, in Daytona Beach, Florida, knocked me on my heels. I would say this email was like Aaron Donald, just squaring me up and bam, knocking me on my heels. He writes, Dear Steed, I hear you are considering moving soon. It's not true. Soon is not true. I'm dreaming of moving someday. I live in Daytona Beach, Florida. I work on the internet most days. I'm 61 years old. Here is why I live in Daytona. Today's high temperature was 80 degrees, clear and sunny. Phoenix had a high of 60 degrees, and it's supposed to rain there tomorrow. I suspect you got some snow in D.C. today. Daytona Beach has not reached 100 degrees since 1999 because the ocean keeps it cool in the summer, mid-80s, and warm in the winter, mid-70s. Daytona Beach Shores has never reached 100 degrees because it is right on the ocean. Phoenix, by the way, averages 110 degrees over 100 degrees. Nearly a third of the days per year are all over 100. I mowed my yard today in Daytona. In Phoenix, my yard would be made of rocks because the city encourages xeriscapes. That'd be X-E-I-R scapes like zero scapes, rather than lawns. Don't you love lawns? I know I do. I played golf today. Yes, you can play golf in Phoenix, but I have 20 of the top 100 golf courses within 150 miles of me in Daytona. Phoenix has just seven of the top 100. I went for a walk on the beach today. Hmm, where's the beach in Phoenix? A house on the ocean with a pool costs a million dollars in Daytona. Same house in Miami costs 10 million. Same house in Camelback and Phoenix costs 3.5. No beach. A house with a pool three miles from the beach uh, in Daytona, 150 grand. Same house in Phoenix, $400,000. I live seven minutes from the airport. Phoenix airport is one hour from everywhere. Parking at Daytona airport is $5 a day. You know, it's a small airport when there's no such thing as long-term parking. As the guard once told me, why would you ever want to leave? Phoenix parking is $27 a day. It is true you can go to any city directly from Phoenix, but we have big planes that go to New York, Atlanta, and Charlotte. If you want to go to Vegas or anywhere else directly, just drive 45 minutes to Orlando. And now that sports gambling is legal just about everywhere, I do not mind driving to Orlando if I need to fly. Sports. Phoenix does have all four leagues. Daytona has none. But the NFL is 90 minutes to Jacksonville, two hours to Tampa, three hours to Miami. Baseball and hockey are two hours to Tampa, three hours to Miami. Basketball, 30 minutes to Orlando, three hours to Miami. Not perfect, but not bad. Culture? Well, luckily my grandpa told me the only culture you got is agriculture. So culture is not very relevant to my lifestyle, but clearly I'll give Phoenix the edge on that. 
Yes, we have the Daytona 500 each year and the 4th of July NASCAR race. The good thing about those events is it brings in so much tourist money to town, real estate taxes stay very low here. NASCAR is not what most people think. When I moved here from Phoenix, I had no idea. We get the Super Bowl NASCAR he- the Super Bowl of NASCAR here each year, and it has certainly grown on me. I know your mom and dad live in the winter in Phoenix, but I wanted to be sure you had all the facts. I've lived in Daytona and Phoenix, and my view is Daytona wins the Pepsi Challenge every time. You should try Daytona sometime. You might be surprised. I know I was. I had no idea what was down here, how nice it was, and how cheap it is. One final thought. You know, Milwaukee's cold. Great people, but always cold. I must stress the cold part. You know that, right? Enough said, you're a loyal listener, Robin Daytona. Yes, I'm aware of that, and uh, I'm prepared for the cold. <laughs> but yeah, interesting. So I agreed to let Rob send me a, I get, or, or I, Rob sent me an email where I could click yes, and it will send, it will email me a listing a day. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. She might see my email up one day on the computer and go, what, what is this Daytona Beach shit? I'll be like, ah, never mind about that. But who who doesn't dream of moving or just living somewhere else? Answer, everybody thinks and dreams of that. Not just in a different city, but also in a different house. Almost everybody. This is why all the shows on HGTV are so popular. Everybody wants to look at a kitchen and go, oh, that's a nice kitchen. I wish I had that kitchen. That's nice. I, I like that clapboard up there. and the, 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 I love the granite. It's real nice. It's got an island, like a sink in the island. Ooh, I'd love to remodel that. Ooh, a sunroom. And, of course, if it's the great Chip and Joanna Gaines, to a couple that was made for television. My God, are they telegenic. It's hard to turn away. Hell, my wife will watch episodes. She's like, I've seen this one three times, but I really like it. Watch, watch what they do with the shiplap. <laughs> yeah. It's always about the shiplap. What has happened to my man, Darren Ravel? God darn it. Tell me this is not the new Darren Ravel. Darren Ravel, I call him Ravel just as a joke. Has been good to me. He's been on my show. I've talked to him before at the Super Bowl. I like what he does. He moved from ESPN and general sports business marketing uh, coverage to the Action Network, where he is going to be covering mostly, I presume, gambling-related news. Okay. Here's his story from Friday night's Wizards, Bucks, Gamble cast or betting broadcast or whatever they were calling it. It was a betting-centric streaming broadcast. And writes Ravel, the numbers are back from NBC's Sports Washington's betting-centric streaming broadcast, and they are impressive. Impressive to who? 20% of the fans who streamed the broadcast between the Wizards and the Bucks watched the alternate feed only, which offered a predict-the-game contest. I watched the alternate feed, but I watched it not streaming. I watched it over my direct TV. One click up from Comcast Sports Washington. I was unimpressed, but then again, I wrote it off as this is their first one. They're, I'm sure they're working out a lot of kinks. 
I was unimpressed because I looked at the bottom where I thought I'd be seeing prop bet after prop bet after prop bet. Who's going to hit the next three? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Will there be a technical foul in the game? For long stretches of the game, almost every time I looked up, there's nothing down on the bottom. It said more PTG to come, more predict the game to come. That doesn't stop Ravel from just full-on blowing this effort. As predicted, he writes, a game that I had no interest in watching, Buck star Giannis Antetokounmpo was out, Antetokounmpo, became not only watchable but enjoyable, writes Ravel. Others seem to have felt the same way. Now, if that sounds like a canned, overly cheesy comment, I don't know what else does. That, 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 this can't... Okay. Here's a viewer, Josh Robeson of Maryland. He told the Action Network, quote, I live in the D.C. area, and I haven't watched a game all year long, yet I'm playing along on Friday night. This idea is brilliant. I'm calling bull shit on that. I live in the D.C. area, haven't watched a game all year, yet I'm now playing along. This idea is brilliant. That entire quote was made up by a PR person. Period. Full stop. Darren himself said in the next paragraph, I found myself banging the table when Bradley Beal scored more than 10 points in the first quarter. I never cared about the Wizards or Bradley Beal before. You have got to be kidding me. No, no, no. Nobody's banging the table when they don't have any money on the game. This little contest, this little predict stuff happening in the game, was merely for funsies, for anyone who signed up and registered online. And the winner, just one winner, not multiple, the one winner who got the most right won 500 bucks, which is... It's 500 bucks, but still. They said they got about 4,000 responses, which they said was great. Maybe it is. I don't know. You know 20% of the streaming audience, I don't know what percent of the television audience watched the alternate feed, but you could easily write a headline, 80%, 80% of fans don't give two shits about a gambling cast. I'm not here to poo-poo it. Look, they're trying to do something different. They're trying to do something new. It could be cool. It could be neat. What's it to me? It's not bumping the regular feed of Buck and Carol Lawson off my TV. So who cares, right? I don't care. I just don't want to be fed a bunch of bullshit here. I mean, I don't have to eat the bullshit. I I looked at the bullshit. I turned my nose up and I said, that's bullshit. I'm not eating that. But I just want Darren. I don't want Darren to go down this road. Who knows what financial arrangements, the action network, what subsidiaries, what interest, what investment they may have with Ted and Monumental and NBC Sports Washington to promote this. There's a lot of people that are now involved in the rock and back and forth of let's get everybody gambling. Let's get ready to gamble. And I'm not against it. Not against the gambling. I just don't want Ravel to be a shill. What's that? Too late? Um, listen, I like the guy. I don't think he was a shill before. Yeah, he sometimes forwarded press releases from companies and didn't do much but fluff them up, but not to this extent. Couple Redskins note. Redskins doing Redskinny things. First of all, Greg Minuski is still employed as our defensive coordinator, but... 
Reports are now coming out that the Redskins are going to try to make a last-ditch effort to get Greg Gugga Williams sometime today. They're going to try to meet with him today. He's already been honed in on by Adam Gase and the Jets. Deal is not done yet. Cynics are saying this is Greg's way of getting more money from the Jets by saying, you know, Redskins want to bring me back. They're going to pay me top dollar. I don't believe that Greg Williams would coexist with Jay, and I don't think he wants to come back after the way they did him on the way out following the Gibbs regime, but, you know, that Dan Snyder money. If Dan's committed to it as here's our big toy to put in front of the kids under the tree this offseason, then Greg might be it. Who knows? Might get really rich. It is unseemly that Greg Minuski is like, hey, I'm in the room. I'm still here. Also, Tom Lavero wrote a column for the Washington Times this week and that said one of the reasons that the Redskins marketing gurus, the new hires from New York City, were shown the door is because their hashtag of we hail, according to the owner, Dan Snyder, sounded a little bit too much like Sig Heil, the Hitler salute. Wow. So you're saying you never had one meeting in which you signed off on this as the marketing campaign. Shouldn't La Famina, even if he's in charge of marketing, before you push this out to the public, say, okay, Dan, here we go. We got We Hail as uh, our new hashtag. We're going to put that on billboards. We're going to put that at the end of ads. We're going to get that rocking back and forth on social media, getting people saying it, hashtag We Hail, as in Hail to the Redskins. Don't you think that would be the time that Dan Snyder would go, you know, I don't want to interfere with what you're doing, Brian, but I just, it sounds, Sig Heil, We Hail, I don't want to go there. No, of course, in typical Redskin fashion, they pushed it out the door, and apparently that was one objection. Now, this is just possibly backfill excuses to cover Snyder's ass to some degree about why they fired him, but either way, whether it's just after the fact image smearing or whether it was truly a, hey, wait, what? What are we doing? Neither would shock me entirely. Hell, when they owned our station, somehow they agreed to let Jason Reed of the Washington Post, a known Bruce Allen and Redskins antagonist, to host our morning show and then tried to kill said morning show at the last minute. Then we put it on anyway. Then it lasted six months. So, And that's when they owned our station, the Redskins. Nothing would surprise me there. The Colts, Chris Ballard, their GM, did something crazy. He held a press conference, you know, where he stood at a podium and he took questions from anyone who covers the team on a regular basis about, well, here's what we did this year. Here's where it could be better. Here's what we're targeting in the draft. Uh, no comment this, maybe comment that. Face the music, right? Oh, I did I say it was crazy or radical? Yeah, no, it's actually like normal operating procedure for most of the 32 teams in the NFL. Not for the Redskins, though, because Bruce Allen has not had a open press conference. He does select handful of one-on-one interviews around the league owner meetings in uh, the middle of the winter, and that's it. He hadn't had a press conference, press press conference, in like 586 days. So, yeah. Then there's this from Wade Phillips. Didn't know this. I was talking on the show about how once upon a time, we could have had Wade Phillips as our defensive coordinator, which would have been a hell of a thing, but it didn't work out. And I thought that Wade looked into the sausage factory in Ashburn and said, bah, I want no part of that. Instead, it's even worse. Wade did want to come here and did want to coach, but didn't impress Jay Gruden enough. 
Here's how it went down. According to the book Son of Bum by Wade Phillips, lessons my dad taught me about football and life. Quote, Finally, I got a call to interview with the Redskins, said Wade. Jay Gruden, their head coach, had fired his D coordinator, Jim Hazlitt, and wanted to talk to me about the job. By this point, my son Wes was on the staff as the tight ends coach, and I was looking forward to the possibility of us working together again. But my interview with Jay was strange, to say the least. Now, I'd had unusual interviews before, like the one with Marty Schottenheimer that took forever because he asked a million questions about the 3-4 defense, but I'd never gone through something like this before. When Jay was offensive coordinator in Cincinnati, I was with the Texans, and I faced the Bengals twice in the playoffs. This after the 2011-2012 seasons, I beat them both times, 31-10, 19-13. I felt Jay knew my credentials and might have been impressed with the things we were able to do against him in the previous three games which we had all won, including one during the regular season. Instead, we watched a lot of tape of the Texans' games against his offense in which a lot of the plays that he showed were only of when the Bengals did well. Most of the interview was about that Not about me. I thought we should have talked more about philosophy, technique, concepts, maybe my record. But no, he was the one interviewing me. Afterwards, I told my son Wes of the disappointment. I felt Jay didn't have as much regard for my coaching as I'd hoped he would. He ended up hiring Joe Barry, a friend of his, to be D coordinator. Joe Barry has since been sacked. It looks like Greg Minuski is about to be sacked as well, if they can find somebody sexy enough to displace him. I've heard that Jay doesn't like strong personalities in the coaching room besides himself. If that's the case, then if they actually hire Greg, good luck, Jay. Good luck. Coming up on Saturday, I'll be in Milwaukee to MC for a concert by an Eagles tribute band called Eagle Mania, of which you'll hear the founder of the band in just a minute, Frank Marino. But first i got to confess, I am terrified. I do very little, almost no public speaking. And that is entirely my fault. Because everybody should do a certain extent of public speaking. And certainly I, as a radio personality, should have taken more of these opportunities. Consider this my start. I sit behind this microphone in a studio, and I am at Zen with the World. I can look at three blank hours of time ahead of me and feel totally relaxed saying, I got this. I know how to talk. I got things I want to talk about. I'll get into it. But standing up in front of a crowd? Oh, terrified. It's not an unusual condition, by the way. My nephew at his school in high school had to do a public speaking thing in front of the auditorium, like the entire class. And I remember how terrified he was of it. And how it just it haunted him for months leading up to it. But he did it, he got through with it, and the world went on. Anyway, if you have any tips or tricks for me, let me know. I know a lot of you people listening do public speaking all the time. Whether you are a stand-up comedian or an entertainer, an MC, or just somebody who gives lectures to trade groups about semi-osmotic cereal varnishes like Clark Griswold. I'm sure there are tips. I'm sure there are tricks. Just let me know. And if you got any clean jokes or clean-ish jokes, I'll, 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 I'll take a few of those as well.
Joining us now, Frank Marino, the founding member of the premier Eagles tribute band in the world. They'll be at the fabulous Paps Theater in Milwaukee, and I'll be lucky enough to be there and try not to get booed off the stage. Introducing them, Frank, thanks for the time, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Doing good. If there was a Mount Rushmore of rock and roll bands in American and even world history, including the UK, the Eagles have to be on that, right? No doubt about it. Who else would be up there? Probably. You know, uh, The Who? The, the Beatles? Who? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The Beatles, yeah. And the Rolling Stones, maybe? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we're kind of getting that. When you decided, I want to found a Eagles tribute band, what was that born of? Well, you see, I'd been playing in the club scene in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, primarily the Northeast, for many, many years. And I wanted to take something to the next level, up to it, to, to the theaters. And at the time, tributes were just beginning to become popular in theaters. What time is this? What year is this, roughly? This was about eight years ago, roughly okay. eight years ago. Okay. So I started thinking about, you know, the music I love. I, I, I'm a big country fan. I'm a country rock fan. I'm a classic rock fan. And I love the Eagles. I grew up listening to it. My father played it every weekend on the record player. So it, it was music that I loved. And if I was going to do a tribute and do the same songs night after night after night, it's got to be something I'm going to enjoy doing. So that, that's primarily where it came from. And then the second reason I chose it is from a business perspective. It, 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 their music appeals to so many different age groups. So the demographic for the Eagles is huge. I figured, well, if I'm going to put a band together, we want to sell tickets, we want to make money, we want to play in nice rooms. You know, that's sort of going to be the formula, I think. And so far, it's been working. Yeah, it's why there's not a lot of fog hat tribute bands yeah. out there. No offense, <laughs> right? But you got to pick the right band. So you say you've spent years playing in the clubs in Jersey. What type of music? What type of bands? Oh, God, everything from 80s to new wave to classic rock to southern rock. I mean, I cut my teeth on southern rock when I was in high school. But, uh, yeah, playing just whatever was working in the club scene at that time. You know, things change and, and tastes change. And, you know, so we would play whatever we had to to keep up with the times. What do you play? What instrument? I'm a keyboard player and I play guitar and I sing lead vocal on some stuff. Okay, what are, you, songs. what are you better at, keyboard or guitar? Keyboard's my main instrument. Okay, so that's the, do you consider yourself a pianist from your background? No, not really. I no? was never trained as a classical pianist or anything like that. I'm just a keyboard player. Okay, knocking out the keyboards. What is the trick or the essence of really nailing the Eagles as a band? Well, there's a couple of things. Primarily, it's the vocal harmonies. They're five-part harmony on, on almost every song. And uh, it was very, very difficult. When I put this band together, it was so hard to find the right blend, the right guys with the right tone and the right vocal range. So that was a big thing. And then secondary to that is, is obviously the music. It, it's very intricate, intricate. There's a lot of guitar harmonies. And different things going on. You have to sort of peel it back layer by layer to get an idea of what they did when they laid these songs down in the studio. And uh, they're just they're they're brilliantly produced and and brilliantly written. Yeah, I in the Eagles documentary, which I was turned on to by a friend, and I just ate it up. Even though the Eagles weren't not they weren't like my favorite band growing up. I'm 50, so I'm kind of on the back edge of Eagles dominance, but I do love the music. And when I watched the documentary, one of the things that stuck with me, speaking about you know difficulty in finding the right voices, 
was that moment where Randy Meisner said one night, you know, I don't know if I feel up to it to sing Take It to the Limit because of that difficult high note right. at the end. And Glenn yeah. Fry was basically, look here, dummy. There's people here who right. love us, who love that song, and they will never come to see us again. What do you mean you're not up to it? Sing the damn note. So that's kind of, you know, even if a guy like Randy Meisner was like, I don't know if I can hit that note, you finding guys that can hit the vocals must have been very challenging. Oh, you have no idea. No idea. Particularly the Don Henley parts, the Randy Meisner and Timothy B. Schmidt parts. The, just so hard to find a guy that can sing that high and to sing all night long. Because, you know, Henley's singing lead vocals on a majority of our show. Sure. So it's it's a lot. Yeah. And and also what's interesting is I'm wondering, like, how many pieces, how many members are in your band right now? Oh, there's only six of us. Okay. And so if you count all the people who've been through the Eagles, it's like nine or ten, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so how yeah, do you and, account and live, for that? They have probably 15 people on stage live. Right. Exactly. So I yeah. guess that was another challenge to say, well, I got to get a guy that can play guitar like Don Felder, even though he exited the band in a ball of fire halfway through. Yeah, well, and that's what's interesting. When we do a song, a song like Hotel California, for example, where you have the Felder part and then you have the Joe Walsh part and then you have the harmonies between the two of them, you know, it's pretty difficult for one guy to cover all that. And, and he does a, a brilliant job at it. He's, he's a phenomenal guitar player and he covers it well. Yeah. You don't really mess with the songs much. You try to hit them note for note, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. What we're most concerned with is, is really trying to, to replicate what the Eagles did back then. When, when that magic was happening and they were in the studio, we're trying to, to, to bring that to life for people. I, uh, I had heard from somebody that it was that the Eagles really guarded their intellectual property from a so from a legal standpoint people might ask well how can you guys get away with playing all their songs for money on stage if you're not kicking back up to them right yeah they and they they are they're very well protected and and they should be um but we you know the theaters we play in they pay a licensing fee they do so that gives us yes they do every okay. theater we're in pays a licensing fee so, so that entitles us to, to go in there and perform those songs. So for anybody that is out there like, hey, I think I'm going to start a band and we're going to play Hotel California and a couple of the songs, yeah, good luck p- playing for more than just your buddies in a garage, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and, and what if you were to do something like you were really to remodel a song severely? Would you hear perhaps from the, from the Eagles uh, lawyers about that? No, I think if you were to put it out as a commercial release, you'd have to get you know rights granted to you in order to do that. But no, not for what we're doing. We could right. rearrange a song live, and, and you know it wouldn't be an issue. I saw Matt Goss in Vegas do Hotel California, and it was it was great. It was interesting. It was definitely a twist because he had doo wop girls and trombones and horns. But at the end of it, I was sort of like, I don't know if I like that because it was so rearranged in certain parts. How do you feel about rearrangements like that? Um, Well, I'll I'll speak from our side of it. From from what we do, we never mess with the arrangements. We never mess with the parts. We try to stay as true to the record as we can because the people that are paying to see us want to hear the songs that they know and they remember. Right. And, uh, you know, if we go in and start rearranging them and, and... smashing them up and all that it's just it's not going to work 
Yeah. Yeah, you get more angry. People going, boo, that's not how the song that's goes. Right. Come on. Right. right. Are you also- people know. Believe me, they know these songs in and out. Oh, now. yeah. Oh, yeah. You talked about, I've heard you talk about their music being the soundtrack of many people's adolescence and youth. Yep. And that's very important. It really is. And, you know, there, there's so many great songs in, in the Eagles catalog. And one of the hardest things for me to do putting the show together is figure out which songs to put in and which songs to leave out. And our show is almost three hours long now. But every night we're leaving out something that someone requests or someone loves or, you know, you can't help it. But these songs mean something to people. It was, you know, playing on the radio during their first kiss or during something, something special, sure. a family, you know, it just that's why I say the soundtrack to their lives. And we hear them. We hear the stories. We hear, we, you can see the reaction in people's faces yeah. when a certain song comes on. So, yeah, it, it's really interesting. Yeah, it, it is such a – three hours. Wow, that's incredible. And, and you're still leaving out a lot of songs. Oh, man, I get yelled at every night. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I saw a really good uh, Sinatra tribute in Vegas uh, as well a couple years ago. And we sat there, and I kept on my phone a list of all the songs – and I was like, boy, you know, how do you cover Sinatra's incredibly vast library? They ended up doing like a seven-minute medley at the end that just tried to at least, okay, and then there's this, 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 and this. You don't do any medleys, do you? No, we, you know what? Well, we tried that same thing at one time when, when we first put the band together for the same reason. Yeah. There were so many great songs we had to leave out. We figured let's do a 10-minute medley, and it bombed. So, <laughs> <laughs> Take it to the... Take it to the hotel fast lane. There you go, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are uh, there are obviously other Eagle tribute bands out there. Do you keep tabs on them? Do you say, hey, these guys are pretty good. We need to step it up. Or do you say maybe, oh, maybe we should steal the guitar player? How does that work? No, not really. I mean, I, I know of a couple of the, the national bands that tour along with us. Um, we'll see them in the same towns every once in a while. But no, I, I, there's there's so much work out there and there's, you know, there's, there's so much to do that we don't really have to keep track of right. our competitors. And I think vice versa, they don't really care much about us either. How many so, years have you guys been doing this now? This is our eighth year. And do you feel like the band's better than ever? Oh boy. Let me tell you, we have a couple of guys in the band that have been with us now for about two years. And we really turned a corner when these guys came on board that they're just phenomenal musicians, great people to work with. So yeah, we're, we're we're really. I feel like we're still climbing. We haven't hit the top yet. How do you? The January nineteenth show, by the way, is going to fall just one day after the third anniversary of Glenn Fry's death. And for anyone who's seen the documentary, they understand that Fry was a strong personality. Henley still is, obviously. The dynamic of the band, the business of the band, is very complicated. What do you say to anybody who comes up to you after the show or before the show and wants to get into the politics? of what happened to the Eagles over the year. Do you try to stay neutral and go, Hey, I don't really have a firm opinion one way or the other. I I really don't like those discussions. Um, and, and, and a lot of it, it, unless you're really educated on music licensing and and all the different, you know, aspects of the music business, it's a difficult conversation to really get too deep with someone on. So it's, I try my best to avoid it whenever I can. Right. Plus you don't know what actually went on unless you That's were the in the exactly band. Right. Exactly right. And yep. you don't know how guys were feeling, and you don't know how guys might have felt slighted creatively or perhaps not given a chance to do whatever and how that affected them as musicians. Absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's yep. going to be great. 
to see you guys and to meet you guys. Uh, get your tickets now. I'll be there introducing the band and just trying to keep everyone uh, mildly entertained during set breaks, and you guys are going to kill it. So I look forward to meeting you, and Frank, thanks for your time. We'll see you in You're Milwaukee on Saturday Thank night. You. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Let's end on this today. April 14th, 2019 is going to be an unbelievable day. One of the great days in my lifetime. How do I know? Well, simple. HBO just announced that that is the date of the first episode of season eight of Game of Thrones. Nerd! Oh, I can hear it now. Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. I thought I pulled that sound, but I'm looking on my computer here, and uh, no, I don't have it. Either way, so that's that's a great day, right? That's enough, right, to look forward to? Just one, th- oh, did I tell you what else is on April 14th, 2019? Why, that would be the final round of a tradition unlike any other, the Masters. Yes, indeed, Jim Nance. Now, you may say to yourself, why on earth, how on earth, that is such a weird dichotomy. You got the Masters, which is about golf, a gentleman's sport, and pretty colors, and genteel patrons in their sundresses, and their shorts and their golf shirts. And then you got Blood and Guts Game of Thrones. How is what, what is the connection there? And the connection, I would say, for me is simply this. It's just, it's just the eliteness of both. That's all. I've said before, anything that's elite, anything that is fantastic, anything that is great, anything that pays attention to the tiniest of awesome details, I love. And I think the Masters and Game of Thrones are, in a way... Similar. They're almost brothers or cousins in this regard. The Masters goes for perfection. Game of Thrones does so many things so perfect. Casting, characters, cinematography, sound effects, acting, realism, fantasy, special effects. Uh, just, it's so good. It's one of the most, ex- it's the most expensive TV show in the history of television. They spend an ungodly amount of money on the show, but they make a lot of money. Kind of like Augusta spends an ungodly amount of money getting their golf course as perfect as can be. And like Game of Thrones, the unexpected twists and turns and calamity and glory plays itself out over the golf course over the course of four days. Just like in Game of Thrones, you don't know how it's going to turn out. You might think a guy is completely done for, and then somehow he rallies and gets out of it. What a day that's going to be. April 14, 2019. If if your wife says, oh, we got to go to a party. Oh, we've got our, our son or daughter's this. Or we've got a recital. You go, no, no, no. No, you get the big Dikembe finger out, and you say, no, no, no. No, 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 April 14th. And you tell her no. You tell her that day is for you. 
That'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell a couple friends. Get the ZabeCast app. Go get your tickets. Promo code ZABE for Eagle Media. Saturday night, Paps Theater in Milwaukee. Subscribe to premium podcasts are the way to go. I appreciate all the feedback. Now go on out there and live your best life, as Oprah says, and we will see you next time. January.